Life in Sense with Joe Barrett and Odette Toilette. Hello and welcome to Life in Sense. This time we talk to performance artist, journalist and director Scotty, a man with an acute awareness and appreciation of his sense of smell. Perfume has played a big part in Scotty's life and we hear about the memories trapped inside many bottles of the stuff as well as the fascinating and important role that smell plays in his performance work. The first person perfume I fell in love with is linked to working out about my sexuality, actually. I don't know what it is. I must be about five or six. And it was on my mum's shelf behind her bed. And it was this quite ornate bottle, like, like it was riveted. The bottle was riveted. And it came up into a poem with one of those gold stoppers. And then one of those air blowy, majiggy, what they called? And I remember thinking, I really want to try that on. But I stopped myself because I knew if I put that on, it would make people know that I liked boys. I didn't know what gay was, but I just knew that, oh, that would identify me as girly or effeminate or... So I really remember that really vividly about this and this, because I couldn't wear it, it became more exciting than it was. I've got vague recollections of my mum saying to me, have you been trying on my perfume? And being panicked about that. Being like, oh my God, she knows. <laughs> you know, like that was a thing. Dad always smelt, but he never smelt of things, you know, cologne or anything. He always smelled of, the only way to describe it is like hot car and like lead and stale blood and sweat. Almost secretion magnifique because he was a roofer. And he'd come home like covered in blood where he would like cut himself and then just like stuck it back together and then carried on working. He was always on a roof, so it was always really hot. And his car always smelled of this kind of like dirty lead so there's a real smell like when I smell that I, could, I always think of my dad this is real association my nan was the one who always had a very all members of my family have a real distinct scent about them my nan was opium and pressed powder now I don't know if I made up the smell of pressed powder in my head because I could see it like she, it would always be on her clothes but she always smelled a bit like mothballs, like those kind of wooden balls that you put in your pant drawer when you're a woman of a certain age. Lavender and holy water. I think holy water's got a real smell to it. I don't think it's holy. What <laughs> do they do to it? My nan would go to retreats to Lords. She has every ailment under the sun, and to like go to Lords meant, you know, she would be healed. She still has all of these ailments after going for so many years. But it just smelt like metally, like metal water. You know, like if you go away, the first thing I always notice is that the water like behaves differently. It's like where my parents live in Essex, the water seems like really fluffy. Holy water's like dead, heavy. I think that might be mental association with Roman Catholic guilt. <laughs> My granddad always smelled beautiful, though. 
my granddad's, I have real associations with Old Spice and Brill Cream uh, and Talcum Powder. Those are really strong smells, but that's the smell of my granddad. And he still smells like that to this day. Like, if I s- smell his skin, he's really conscious about being smelling nice and smelling clean. Because it came from a really poor background. So scent was to be presented well and to smell nice and for other people to think you smell nice was huge for him. And I think that's something that rubbed off on me. Like, he used to wear a lot of hair oil. He's like a, a, recover, a recovering teddy boy, I think. Still trying to, like, go at it. But, yeah, I mean, there was... I remember if I was sleeping over, I'd sleep with my nan and he'd sleep in the spare room. And so I'd be on his pillow and it just smelled of hair oil. Whereas my nan's pillow smelled of Elnet. So there's real, like, conflicting big scents in my grandparents' house. As well as the smell of gravy... Uh, my favourite story from being a child is like when I was about six months old my nan fed me brazen steak <laughs> she was like this is what he's got to eat and my mum went crazy mum was like you can't give that to a baby and her response was I gave it to you and your brothers and sisters and there's nothing wrong with you so like the smell of meat juices because my nan cooks meat in a really particular way like she cooks it two days before then lets it stand for a day and then with the fat has congealed, she'll then cook that down and make a gravy. And no wonder why I'm a vegetarian. Because those smells were really... With cabbage. And like Irish people don't cook cabbage. They kill it. They just boil it until they can smell it. And then that makes them go, oh, it's cooked now. My nan will cook, still to this day, she'll put on pork chops. And then immediately she'll put on cabbage. And when both of them are ready... <laughs> then you can eat. I mean, it's horrid, but that's... Can you imagine what my grandparents' house smells like? They came from very poor background, so everything was... My nan can go to Sainsbury's and she can buy something for 20 quid and that could feed a family for about a week. I don't know how she does it. She's just really thrifty with food because I guess they had to be. But she doesn't understand the concept of vegetarianism because she always says to me, oh, you don't eat meat, so I've got you a ham sandwich. Way for thin ham. <laughs> yeah, because that's not meat, you know, so you kind of constantly, like, you know, coming out to them wasn't a big deal. Saying I was a vegetarian was, I ruined their life. You know, what have we done to get this way? Are there any meat smells that you do like or do you, are you sort of switched off to all...? Um, yeah, brazen steak. When I smell that cooking, I think... It reminds me of coming home after school. I'd always go to my grandparents' house. And that kind of smell of slow-cooked meat, I I like that smell. It makes me feel... it, It doesn't make me hungry, but it makes me feel homely. My mum always smelled of bleach. Then my mum would clean till like four o'clock in the morning and our house just smelled clean. I was in a car the other day with a friend of mine and they said, what are you wearing today? I said, oh, I think I'm wearing like a light cologne. You wouldn't be able to smell it. They said, no, I can really smell something off you. And I realised it was, I was wearing a jumper that my mum had washed. My mum uses about a, a bottle of softener every time she puts on a wash for me because she knows I really love this, like my clothes to smell at home so I have that 
still very childish thing about wanting to smell like it's come from my home. Uh, I've always had um, a paranoia about scent. And I think I get that from being poor. Grew up in a, in a very poor background in a council estate. And so my mum always made sure that we never felt poor or we never looked poor. And so to smell nice, my mum always said soap doesn't cost anything. And so if we had nothing, it would still be like, okay, you, you have to smell of soap or you have to smell of fabric and stuff. Like, you just have to be well presented. Because I don't think my mum or my dad wanted our class to hold us back or for people to kind of make judgment on what we were or who we were. And then when I started to get older in my teenage years and I became fat, then it's the other thing about fat people smelling came this paranoia. Like, I didn't want to be, like, the fat people who smelled. Because fat people do smell... Like, I've smelt some fat people, and I, I just think, are you not aware that you... I mean, come on, we sweat more, so let's do something about it. So from a very young age, I was very conscious about being clean, um, almost to the kind of OCD levels. I had... Uh, I'd get spots, so I'd always, like, wash my face, like, like religiously, and be very, very tidy. to me is really linked with class um, and I brought my first scent I, I got a job working at Ticketmaster on the phones hello Ticketmaster my name's Scotty how can I help you and just selling like tickets for West End shows to tourists and I got my first paycheck and it was a thousand pounds and I was like oh my god I'm rich I'm so rich so I went to Tony and Guy got a haircut and then I went and I bought this scent. I bought it. I bought it. I don't know if anyone's ever smelt this, but for me, it reminds me of being like really. I know, right? It's really sweet and alcoholy, but it's also like alluding to being a church. <laughs> it's pretending. It's pretending to be really classy. It's called Ar Arbor, Arbor. And then like, these are the days where I thought. Eau de Toilette was like, wow, that means it's good. <laughs> Let alone it's toilet water. It reminds me of um, how exciting that was, actually. It's a reminder of independence. And it's my first scent, you know. I think it made me feel, and this sounds very strange, but it made me feel aspirational. Like, it made me think everything's achievable. And maybe that's why I've got, why I still have it. Because it was, I, I got myself the job. I was earning great money. I was earning more money than my parents. That was my first job. And I was doing well at it. You know, I was a supervisor after like three months. And I was like, look at me, I can take on the world. Selling tickets for We Will Rock You. <laughs> you know, but as a 17-year-old, I was, I guess it was the start of my earning career and being able to leave the council estate and leave that life behind. I think it was the start of that kind of going, oh, I can better myself. And so there's a bit of sadness about it that actually to work selling tickets over a phone line, I felt was like I'd made it or I'd, I'd 
have really achieved. That's the start of being driven, I think, about thinking, okay, life can be different. You use perfumes and or smells, right, when yeah. you're doing different shows and performances. Yeah. So could you tell us a bit about how and why you do that? Well, I guess in my job, I um, transcend gender, which is a posh way of saying like, I kind of dress a bit like a girl or a bit like a boy. And uh, mainly I look like a cheap version of Liberace, a cheap fat version of Liberace, which I quite like. When I first started making shows in about 2008, I was in a well-known store. I won't give away the name yet. And I found this perfume when I was going to buy. Uh, and it's called VSIP. And I was like, what's that? It's two pounds, I'll have it. Um, and it's called Very Sexy Important Person. And I covered myself in it for the launch night of my show at Yartel. And everyone was saying to me, oh my God, you smell so lovely. Oh, you smell like candy floss. And if you can imagine um, bubblegum chic, but like really alcoholic, really like instead of sweet being like sugar water and candy floss, but re like a real kick in front. You know, like when they give children, girls perfume, it smelled like that. And it came in this really short, dinky bottle. And it was then that I realized I need to smell a certain way in my performances. So VSIP by Primark was my first scent for shows. Um, and it just became that every time I did that show, I always wore that scent. And then it became a bit of a habit. So in 2010, I did a show called Violence, in which I directed a dance theatre piece. And I was in it. And before everyone went on, I made everyone cover themselves in brute. Because for me, that really reminds me of the big boys at school <laughs> who were like the thugs and feeling like they were very masculine and they could beat us up. And so that scent really evokes that kind of fear or excitement. A, a basket of fruit, electric table lamp, a mixer and blender, a cuddly owl, Sharon and Lynn. After that, I uh, went on to a make a show a called Camp. It's about all the TV alarm. that I watched as a child, variety maker, television, and camera. a lot of these the people like Michael eater, Barrymore, who were on TV, who were camp, but not gay, and light entertainment. And that kind of entertainment being working class entertainment. Things on ITV, the generation game. Sissy and Hilda, like really quite out there stuff, but because it was funny, like people kind of liked it. And so um, to continue on the theme, I, I got Malays of the 1970s. Um, I'm a bit like the Del Boy of uh, Perfume, where I, I think I can say them, but I can never say them. Um, I think it's Et à Libre d'Orange. I think you've got it, Scotty. Almost. you got it. Yeah. Anyway, Malays of the 1970s, as you can see, it's covered in makeup, which I really like. I'm not precious about them. And this, for me, just smells like Larry Grayson. It's that era of a certain kind of gentleman. It's not... It's not the Alan Cars of the world. It's the, definitely the Frankie Howards. People do smell it, because I think it's really important. When you come on stage, 
that people are aware of your presence and scent really makes them like, oh, okay, we know what that smells like. They have that emotional memory. I love it. I really love it. I can see Kenneth Williams. Yeah. It's clean and it's really synthetic florals and but there's something else that I, I'm like it's not creamy but there's something else that's alluding to something else which I quite like and I think that's why I see it as it's a bit like it's someone wanting to conform to something but they don't know what they're conforming to yeah it's a bit confused it, it just it just reminds me of um, men in show business in a certain era always wearing a suit, never really giving the game away. And that's kind of what the, the show was about. The show's about kind of non-sexualized entertainment and how you can be, through camp, you can actually be very provocative and daring, but it still becomes accessible to people. They're not frightened by it. It's not preachy, it's not art. of your costumes here so do different costumes have different smells should we have yeah. a sniff yeah oh I mean be warned um this one shall we start with the worst yeah okay just prepare yourself oh this is a jacket that I wore in a show at the Barbican in the main house and I flew in it so it's got these cutout panels here for where my harness was, yeah. No, it was where my lines were and they f I flew 50 feet in the air, um, which is no mean feat for a person of my size. My favourite part of the story is that this is off-cuts of material from the Sugar Babes tour. <laughs> but I just can't wash it. I'll f I can't find anyone who will wash it. So it smells of me flying. Um, <laughs> this will have a very different smell. It's got to be washed. Okay, see if you can guess what that is. Ooh, ooh. It smells a bit like Oh, chips. I know what it is. No, I don't. It's sort of baked beans. Almost. Tomato soup. Yeah, it's, it's Domino sauce. <laughs> For a show I do called... Um, I do a little performance called... Lady in Red, in which I have fake breasts and I stab myself, and then Dolmio sauce comes out, and then that scent hits the audience. And um, I did it in Dublin last week, and an audience member said to me, I felt so comforted when I could hit uh, that, that smell of pasta sauce hit me. So why, why did you find that comforting? <laughs> um, what else? Oh, this is my favorite. Now, this just smells what it looks like, but I love the smell of it. Red PVC Rain Mac, and I do a literal translation to um, Tom Jones, you can leave your hat on to it. I don't know if you've ever actually listened to the words, but they're very bizarre. Hey baby, go over there, turn off the lights. No, not all the lights. Come back, stand on the chair. Oh yeah. It's very, I mean, I don't know how we got this reputation of being erotic. Put your arms in the air. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd literally do what you... This is um, this is something I, I I wear quite a bit. Oh, tinsel. Well, it's actually tinsel wigs, and it's got a real. Oh, yeah, this is. Oh. Party shop. Yeah, yeah, oh. and I love wearing it because you just do smell like a party shop in it. 
Yeah, yeah. I think we'll <laughs> <laughs> I went to Berlin recently. I found Harry Lehman's shop. So we're walking down this high street, being told you've got to go to this perfumier. And we're in this neighborhood, which it just doesn't look like you're going to find some nice perfume. And then suddenly you find the shop Harry Lehman's and it's just full of fake flowers. And you think someone's had me on. And you go in and this guy, his Harry Lehman's great-grandson is running the store and it's real it's real anti-perfume or anti-experience they're all in glass like vases I guess with stoppers and if you want to smell any he'll lift the stopper and shove the stopper under your nose the smells I think are really beautiful they're, they're very forgotten. They're, they remind me a lot of my grandfather. I don't, the, some of the ingredients haven't changed since like 1939, I think he said, apart from EU regulations that some of them have to be updated, which was a real bone of contention for him. And I bought almost every scent that he had because they were so cheap. Cologne for 10 mils was five euro. And Eau de Parfum for ten, five meals, 10 euro. I was, I almost was like, I'll have, I'll buy the shop off you. And they come in these adorable bottles. So this is my, this is my going to bed scent or going to dinner scent. It's called Rushish, I think you pronounce it. Okay, shall we smell? nice. I really like it. This, um, someone <clears throat> was showing me some Soviet clones the other month from Soviet Russia and this reminds me quite strongly of those actually. It's, it smells like something a 50 year old man would wear on a date. <laughs> I just can see who would wear it and I really like wearing it in the daytime when I'm dressed as a boy. I would think it's... Um, it's clean and it's slightly older. And I think it's really, I don't think it's sexy, but I think it's sexual. It's very masculine. And it's very chest carpet. Yeah. So I found his shop, yeah. And I think the experience of not being sold perfume sold the perfume for me. But while I was in there, I was in there for about 45 minutes. This string of old German couples came because once you've bought the bottle, you just bring it back to refill, which I just think is the most beautiful thing. You know, they come back with their bottles and then he refills them. He knows what they have. And for some of them, I mean, I just bought them as they come, but he has ingredients lists for people. So someone came and then they were talking German, like I knew what they were on about. And then... He just made up their their scent for them. And then, you know, 10 euro, cheers, thanks, bye. Now, what was really upsetting was that I went then to the other side of Berlin and near Checkpoint Charlie, there's a, a, a perfume store there. 
and it's very well designed and laid back and you go in and this you know guy hi how can I help you and you know you just think I just I know what I want to smell so just leave me alone <laughs> and I was going round and realising they're all the same perfumes but they've just graphically designed them all the labels and they put them in better bottles and he sells them to them and they sell them for about six times the amount and when we kind of said um we've just been to Harry Lehman this guy's face dropped because I don't think anyone knows because it's not in the tour guides it's not it's you know it's on the wrong side of town but it's so authentic that actually I think you should go there because it's just a label and a bottle at the end of the day. Now all our listeners will know and we'll we'll get word out. Yeah, head to Harry's. I'm making a show at the moment called The Worst of Scotty. And so we're just choosing the scent. It's a show in which I get in contact with people who no longer talk to me, ex-lovers, old friends, people I've pissed off, and they are allowed to say why they hate me or why they stopped talking to me, to paint a picture of the very worst of me. And so we rehearse it for about a week and we realise this show's going to be one of these shows that people either going to really, really think was really great or are going to absolutely hate it and will excommunicate me. It's going to have that real reaction. And so when I was thinking about the scent, I thought, oh, there's only two which make me feel like that, which is Bubblegum Chic and Secretion Mag- Magnifique. And then the themes that were starting to emerge are about passion and blood and sex and violence and so of course we've chosen Secretion Magnifique because I think that will be that will have the same effect on the audience as the piece will where the audience will be like what is that smell or I love that smell it's a real do or die for people so and you're are you fundraising for it now so you can tell people where should they go to read more about it and if they want to help you get it on the stage yeah I've secured um, some funding from the Arts Council but uh, like all things they won't fund it all and because they haven't got enough money and so I've got to find the rest of the money to make the show and because the show is about an audience deciding it's about me saying to an audience this is how rubbish I've been in my life in the past ten years now you decide whether you want to still continue to come to shows that I make because this is the, the very first solo show I'm making It's about saying, you know, if you want to come on this journey, I'm going to tell you how rubbish I've been and then we'll go from there. And so, yeah, I'm looking if anyone wants to kind of donate to go to my website, scotty.co.uk, which is S-C-O-T-T-E-E. Everyone always gets that wrong. I should have chose a better name then. (laughs) Debuts at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival with Assembly there from the 1st of August. And then it tours regionally throughout October. And then it comes to London at the Roundhouse in February. You've been listening to Scotty's Life in Sense. 
I don't think we've mentioned this enough, if at all. So if you live in London, you should make sure you have a look at the other projects and events that Odette is working on. OdetteToilette.com is a must for anybody with an interest in their sense of smell. And if you like what we do, it would really help us out if you could rate us on iTunes. We are LifeInSense.com and the same on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Life in Sense with Joe Barrett and Odette Toilette.